And that brings us to our message we're going to talk to you about today just for a few moments. We started last week talking about transformation. And we talked about we've got to make some paradigm shifts as a church to what is a church? What does it mean to, to do church? And we looked last week at um, the Matthew 16 portion where Jesus said, I will build my church, gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And we realized the word that Jesus used for church was a Greek word, ekklesia, which is not a religious term at all. It's not, a, not about a synagogue or a temple. And ekklesia is actually a more of a secular term that was used by the Roman government when they were taking territory for Rome, when they would send agents of change, if you will, to institute the will of Rome into a society or a culture. Jesus used that concept to introduce the church, that the church would be an, a change agent representing another kingdom, another empire that would bring transformation to society. And so when we understand that more clearly, church was never intended to be a place where we get people saved and hold them in a preservation tank waiting for Jesus to come back. Actually, it was a place that we're supposed to empower people so people could go out into society and be the light and the salt of the earth and see transformation all around us. And so we've started this conversation, and we're moving somewhat in it, but we we're moving a bit further now uh, as, we, as we look at it. Last week, we had a great thought and talks about transformation. If you didn't get to see it, please watch it. This week, I want to quickly just give you five paradigm shifts that, I, that we believe will, bring, will, our, will enable us to see church differently so that we can be a transformational force. Now, paradigm in itself is interesting. A paradigm shift, I've got my reading glasses with me this morning. A paradigm shift is like a pair of reading glasses. So let's understand paradigm shift. When I put my reading glasses on, it doesn't create something. It just lets me see what's already there. So a paradigm shift is a new lens which brings clarity to, to, what, to what we're looking at so that we can see not something that we're trying to create but actually see something that's already there. An important change that happens when the usual way of thinking about doing something is replaced by a different way of doing something. So let's look quickly uh, with the limited time that we have left at what these changes are. Number one, we're going to look at the what. The first paradigm defines the what. We are called to disciple nations. Somebody shout nations. Not just individuals, according to the Bible. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and disciple all the nations of the world, not, in, not just individuals. Most of us in the Western culture don't have a nation mentality. We have an individual mentality. So if I can get saved and get my family saved and get in a church, then that's what needs to happen. But the kingdom mentality, the biblical concept of, of church, is that we are to be transformation, nation, transformation agents of literal nations. So that means now that we're not just looking to see individuals hear the gospel, but cities be transformed, communities transformed, states transformed nations transformed by the power of the gospel and, and believe me this isn't something new read the book of acts it chronicles the church and the transformational power there were cities in the book of acts that literally the entire city was saved 
not just individuals, but the whole city's culture changed. There's one place in the book of Acts I read recently. It says where sorcerers started bringing their sorcery stuff and burning it in the center of the city because the kingdom of God had had such influence there. If you read about the old Welch revival where the Spirit of God started in the church but so touched the whole nation of Wales that miners 300 feet down under the earth would be, would be influenced by the presence of God that was being felt and were getting saved 300 feet under the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. A national transformation, if you will. It's not like it's never been done before. This is the message of the kingdom of God. That's why Mark eleven seventeen 17 says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. That's why Psalm 2 and 8 says, Ask and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. That's why here at Word Alive, we're, we're, we want to use our resources, not just for ourselves and have a nicer church and better programs, but we want to make a difference in the nations. That's why we're working in the nations of Honduras. That's why we're working in the nation of Argentina and Peru and India and Cambodia and Russia and Africa and these nations of the world because we take the Great Commission seriously when Jesus said, go into all nations and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a paradigm shift when we begin to realize it's not just about our individual salvation, but it's God wanting to bring the kingdom of God, if you will, the, the understanding of the kingdom of God to all aspects of society. The second is the why. The marketplace is the heart of the nation. This is a big one. The marketplace, which is the heart of the nation, has already been redeemed. And now it must be reclaimed. It's a big one. we got to get this one. The marketplace. You say, what is the marketplace? Business, arts, culture, education, politics, religion. These are all market center expressions. Jesus didn't just pay for your sin and my sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. That world is cosmos. When Jesus, Jesus' work on the cross was not just about an individual salvation, it was about a cosmic salvation. When Jesus' blood was shed, it redeemed systemic sin. And I know this is a, this is a paradigm, but it's not just individual sin Jesus redeemed, it's systemic sin. Jesus on the cross paid for the poverty, not just of Kent Maddox, but for Aniston. Are you tracking with me? He didn't pay just for the sickness of Kent Maddox. He paid for the sickness of Calhoun County, of Alabama, of the United States, the whole world. Jesus absorbed the systemic sin of the world, the corruption, the ill-gotten business, the sex trade, the addictions, the sin. Jesus absorbed all of that into himself, so it's been redeemed. Now you and I should reclaim that for his purposes to be fulfilled through it in Jesus' name. Are you tracking with me on this thought? It's a great illustration, Luke 15, when Jesus, cause, or Luke, let me give you a scripture, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that, not those, that which was lost. That which was lost. So in the garden, that which was lost, that came under the curse, Jesus came to redeem that so that now you and I could reclaim that for his purpose. Let me pause here, and this, this is not on, on my notes. But see, we've lived under such a false teaching and doctrine 
We've been taught most of our lives that this earth, as we know it, is going to hell in a handbasket. And, and at the end of the day, it's just all going to be destroyed, so why even mess with it? And so if we can just get everybody in churches and preserve you and keep you holy enough that you can make the rapture. And don't pray thy kingdom come. Let's pray thy kingdom go. And just hide behind the bush waiting for Jesus to come back and snatch us out and then destroy the earth. I know y'all don't, I know this, this is wild. I've met with a, this is real. I met with a pastor. His financial plan for his church was let's get in as much debt as we can and don't worry about it paying, get it paid back. Let's just keep borrowing everything they'll let us borrow because the rapture is going to happen and we'll leave the debt and everything else behind. Then that's a real story. That's how, that's how bad our thinking has gotten in the church that we've bought into this escapism mentality but that's never what the gospel is meant to be yes thank god the rapture is a very possible reality according to cult scripture you can read that but jesus didn't say hide waiting for the rapture he said maintain till i come we're supposed to be extending his purposes and plans and his thoughts into the earth redeeming with him co-partnering commissioning with jesus making the world a better place to live and when he comes back he will finish the job and we will be in a come on are you with me but it's a switch in mentality. Luke 15, remember the prodigal son? We always focus there. But there was also a lost sheep and a lost coin. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. What's that? Finance, business, and family. All have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That's why you can believe not just for your salvation, but if you're the only saved person in your house, you can declare, me and my whole house have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Your work has been redeemed. Your business has been redeemed. Your money's been redeemed. And now we have the right to prosper and to be proponents of prosperity because Jesus paid the price for that. All right so far? Three. Now that we've known the what and the why, how about the how? This is a big one. Every Christian is a minister. It's a big one. Every Christian's a minister. There was never such words in the Bible as laity. Laity means unlearned and untrained. God's will was never for you and I to be people in church that are unlearned and untrained. That untrained. That's why a minutes ago we prayed for each other and God did things for people. Why? We are all called to minister for the Lord. So touch three or four people and say, you're a minister and today you're ordained in the name of Jesus. Right? Are you with me? This is a big one. But also, your work is worship. Your work, my work, is worship. It's not secular. It's holy. Look at Colossians 3. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Unfortunately, most of our Western culture, we go to church on Sunday and worship, and we cut the worship switch off and go to work on Monday. But God never wanted you to turn the worship switch off and go to work on Monday. He wants you to keep the worship switch on because when you go to work on Monday, your attitude and how you go to work 
And if you're on time, and the job you do, and the integrity in which you walk in it, and the character in which you work out that day is worship unto God, and God watches you and sees it as what it is, worship unto God. It's just as much worship lifting my hands in a praise service here as it is to be on time tomorrow to my job and to be the best employee I can be for that employer. That is an act of worship. Christians should be known for the greatest employees and employers in the earth. If you profess Christ, then you should be the best at whatever you do on your job. They, you should be the one that stays late. You should be the one that shows up early. You should be the one that says that he's dependable, he's faithful, he's loyal, he's full of character, he's full of integrity. Why? He's a follower of Jesus. But we as Christians aren't trained like that. We, we worship on, on Sunday and belly ache about going to work on Monday. Oh, I wish I could just stay in worship. No. How terrible would it be if we just stayed in worship? No, nothing would get done. Nobody would be touched. Nobody would be changed. The world wouldn't be a better place. But when you go to work on Monday and you stand there doing your labor, if you're a waitress, you're bringing food for the glory of God. And we are sitting, you are representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in that place. When you go to, I love Waffle House. When you show up, when you're working at Waffle House, you are cooking that waffle for the glory of God, baby. You know what I'm talking about? And I see people like that. They're happy, glad to have a job, full of joy. That's worship. You're a doctor. You're treating people for the glory of God. You're a lawyer. You're filing briefs for the glory of God. You're a housemaker, homemaker. You're training, instructing children for the glory of God, keeping your house spotless for the glory of God. You're a student, you're showing up making good grades not just to please your parents as worship unto God that I'm going to be the best I can be because the Spirit of God lives inside of me. Come on now. Can you dream with me what that would look like if everybody started believing work was worship? And not, now, now when the, in the spiritual realm, tomorrow morning, on Monday morning, heaven looks down and sees everybody with an attitude of worship. At work. And heaven begins to recognize that. Angels begin to be dispatched on our behalf. And heaven begins to recognize, wait a minute. Something's transpiring in that territory that we hadn't seen other places. Now employers start saying, "What? Is, I don't know about, wouldn't we love this testimony? If you need an employee, I'll tell you where you need to go. You need to go to Word of Life Church. Because they are the best, come on, they are the best, most integrity, filled with integrity and character, the best working people you can find because the Spirit of God lives in them. But unfortunately, we've not been trained and equipped like that. We've been trained, you know, let's just pray and slack and ask God to cover our slackness. You know, blessed and highly favored 30 minutes late. <laughs> come on you ain't blessed and highly favored if you're 30 minutes late baby let me just tell you that right now if you're blessed and highly favored you're 15 minutes early touch three people say he's shucking the corn now tell him he's shucking the corn now it's a paradigm shift we gotta make it come on let's go quick fourth we now, now, we, now, now we understand what, why, how, where where is the church supposed to be the church? 
We are to take the kingdom of God to where the kingdom of darkness. Come on. We are to take the kingdom of God where the kingdom of darkness is still entrenched and let Jesus build his church right there. But most of us are taught to stay away from darkness, taught to fear darkness, and taught to fear sin, thinking that sin is going to get on us if we get around sin. But that's not the new covenant. In the old covenant, if a, if a righteous person got around a, got around a sinful person, the sin got on the righteous, but not the new covenant. In the new covenant, if a righteous person gets around a sinner, righteousness jumps on the new. Come on. Their sin's not going to rub off on your righteousness. Your righteousness is going to rub off on their sin. So we are called to take one. The kingdom of darkness has already been defeated. It's a mentality. We're not going to defeat Satan. Satan's already defeated. The only thing left is his gates. But he don't have the keys. Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he said to us, I will give you, me and you, the keys to the kingdom. How? So you can go to dark places and open up the gate that's already been paid for by Jesus and let God's people out and let them move into salvation. Come on now. Touch three people say, I got a key. Passover, I got a key. Upon this rock I will build my church. Gates of hell shall not overpower it. And I will give you keys to the kingdom. We're seeing it happen. But we're saying let's intensify it. We've, we, we've, got, we've got folks right here has going and now instituting strip church. Church for strippers. That they go into the strip clubs and preach the gospel and, and, and demonstrate the love of God through medic, uh, pedicures, manicures, painting their dressing rooms, going into these places where a lot of people are there not against their own will actually. And taking the kingdom of God, God into a place of darkness. Now I know that I, I went to an extreme with you. Right? I just want to take you there because you're like. <laughs> but you go from that extreme to Zen Park. Who goes and washes homeless people's feet? And tells them of the love of God. Why? That's a dark place where the kingdom of God is now moving and being manifested because we have believed that we have the keys and that that strip club or that homeless people, they don't have to stay in that situation if we will go there with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and let, open up the gate and let them come in. And I hear people say, well, I will let my husband go to no strip club to be a part of no ministry. Well, we didn't say they were going. The women go in. But our thought process, I just want to hit that too because it's the thought process. When are men going to get holy enough you could go in? And it, when are men going get, get to get, you know, go ahead and get free enough to where you could go into an environment and not get trapped by it? Because you're not after that. You're after the Spirit of God and the, come on. I'm not suggesting men go. I'm just suggesting, can we not quit worrying about us falling and start taking a stand for something and being holy, godly men of God that's not living in perverted thought mindsets? 
He's shucking the other corn now. Shuck it and preach it. My God, let the church be the church. Nikki Cruz, you remember that old story? Crossing the switchblade, David Wilkerson goes to the gang members' territory and preaches the gospel. And Nikki Cruz, a gang leader, which I've met, and he's a wonderful man of God, tells David Wilkerson with a switchblade, I will cut you into a thousand pieces if you keep coming in my neighborhood. And David Wilkerson responded, Nikki, if you do, every piece will still be crying out, God loves you. Every piece you cut will be crying, God loves you. And he broke, he threw his switchblade down. Christ came into his life. And Nikki Cruz has been one of the most mighty evangelists across the earth because somebody believed they had the keys and could go to the gates of hell and let, come on somebody. C.T. Studd, the great missionary, said, Some want to live within an earshot of a church bell. I'd rather have a rescue shop within the gates of hell. It's a paradigm shift. We've got to make it if we're going to be what God's calling us to be. Last and final. What for? Nation transformation must be tangible with the premier social indicator being the elimination of systemic poverty. Nation transformation must be tangible with the premier social indicator being the elimination of systemic poverty. Why poverty? Luke 4.18, it's good news to the poor, the gospel. Acts 4.34, there was no needy among them. Acts 20.35, we must take care of the needy. Galatians 2.10, take care of the poor. It's a non-negotiable, from my understanding of Scripture, that the church has to consider the poor. It's a non-negotiable. So if there's any church that's not feeding the poor, considering the poor, reaching out to the poor, in my opinion, we're not fulfilling the mandate of Christ. Jesus said in Luke 4, what was it? The anointing's on me. To preach the gospel to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted, deliver those who are in prison, and set free those that are captive and open the eyes of the blind. Our calling as a church is to go to the dark places, the poor places, and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and see transformation to systemic poverty. And we've done it over the years, but I sense an intensifying coming to our lives, a crew that God has brought together with a heart and a passion to literally make a difference, a transformational difference in our city, in our community, and around the world. I mean, you saw the video this, this is a place where you don't own land as a church, Tanzania. But we had such a transformational impact there of poverty that women in that church received a microloan that we helped institute and started businesses, one being a soap factory. And these women came out of such poverty that they were able, and this man that went in business with these microloans were able, that this, is a, this, is, this would be like me and you giving seven million. They paid out of their pocket, these people, $70,000 toward this property. And we finished up the 26000 for them. But out of their own 
integrity, their own work, their own coming out of poverty. Now they're prospering because they got a different mentality. That church in Africa is not being poor and just waiting on some American missionary to come and help them. That being in the kingdom of God, I am smart, I am anointed, and I can make a change right here. This is the kind of transformation that we're seeing. We got a whole village that's employed in Honduras now that's coffee farmers because we now work with an organization in Birmingham that the coffee we sell in our cafe and the bags of it you buy and take home, all the proceeds go back to Honduras. Now a whole village is employed every year because they ship that coffee to Birmingham. They roast it for free. Us and others sell it. The money goes back to Honduras. And now an entire village is employed and feeding their families and prospering every year because of just thinking differently about the kingdom of God. We can't stay here and keep worshiping Jesus on Sunday morning in a beautiful air-conditioned building while there's people out in our community that are living in poverty. We got to think about them and make it a priority as far as changing their lives. Why? Jesus said his purpose was this. The Son of God appeared or was manifested for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. And poverty and sin, and sickness, and slavery, and all this is the works of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy that, and we are to take the keys and make the difference in Jesus' name. So quick, what is a transformation church? Number one, it equips, commissions, and releases its members to reach the marketplace and intentionally pastor the city. So 24-7, the churches at work, just like I showed you this week, us out in the community doing gospel work, doing kingdom work, do, doing, doing ministry. Two, a transformation church diligently pursues organic unity in the larger body of Christ to energize the mission of the church. In other words, it's not just about this church. It's about all churches coming together for the common good of a territory, praying and believing God for every church to thrive we're not in competition. We're not supposed to compete with one another. We're supposed to complete one another. Because we're a body of Christ. We all have different gifts. We all have different calling. We shouldn't be competing against another church. We should be completing what they offer, we don't offer. What advice, we, should, we should complete one another, not compete with one another. If every church in our county was full of 400 churches, it would only be about 10% of the population. So the church, we got to get out of the church mentality of swapping sheep. Let's quit swapping sheep and let's go to darkness and let's preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and see people truly saved and encountering Jesus Christ for themselves. Let's build the church that way. Anyway. Ready? Transformational church commits a growing percentage of its resources to kingdom expansion. By sacrificially investing beyond the local congregation to achieve transformation. So in other words, we're resourcing outside of the church, not just the church. Transformation Church expects the kingdom of God to be tangibly manifested in cities and nations. Tangibly manifested. In other words, transformation of individuals, of course, but transformations of systems, 
of societies, of culture, of governments. So we're believing that our first step of faith moving toward transformation as a church is the Freedom March. That we're stepping outside of our comfort zone. And believe me, it's already shaking the city. I'm talking to pastors yesterday and the day before and the day before. They're like, you know, Kent, you're really challenging us. Because you know everybody ain't after this same thing. On both sides, black churches and white churches, they're not all happy about it. Why? People like to stay where they are. But I just don't believe we can do that. I believe we and those that want to participate, we've got to take a stand in our city, in our county, for righteousness, peace, and joy that replaces wrongdoing, sorrow, and sadness. And so when we ride this bus together, this isn't just a, you know, a tour. It's a prophetic act. It's just like when God said, walk around Jericho. It's that kind of deal. That when we ride, we believe with the keys. And we get out in the seat of Calhoun County, there at the bus station, and we make prayer and proclamation. And we have the mayor of the city read a proclamation asking God to rule and reign over our territory. And we start with the same type of thing at 202 and culminate here as the body of Christ proclaiming, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. Then the manifestation should be all of a sudden crime starts to go down. Sickness starts to be, go away. Uh, uh, drug addiction starts to get lower. Uh, new ministries start to arise. Industry begins to move our direction. And the next thing you know, we should begin to see a systematic or systemic change in our territory because we have used the keys with our authority and opened heaven and shut hell in a territory to say we are saying our generation up to now, we're repenting for our forefathers' ignorance and all the wrongdoing that happened, and we're saying from now forward, we are standing for racial equality. We're standing for women's equality. We're standing for, 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 for pure good government. We're standing for righteous leaders that are leading our city because when the righteous rule, the nation is blessed. And we're standing for the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy to rule and reign in this territory in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Get on the bus. Walk the mile. Be the change. Let the church be the church. Slap five people a high five. Say, I'm getting on the bus. Come on, tell them I'm getting on the bus. Stop, jump up with me. Get on the bus, Gus. Make a new plan, Stan. Don't need to be coy, Roy. Whatever that's old song in it. Y'all don't listen to that secular stuff. Oh, Father, we just believe we've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We believe you're changing the way the church looks and functions and operates. We believe you're forming a new wineskin because you're ready to pour out new wine. And so, Father, I just ask that you would help us make the shift in our thinking Lord, I pray you would prosper this people like we've never been prospered before. So we're always ready to do anything necessary to further the kingdom. Let us have a grace on us that we always have all sufficiency in every area so we can abound to any good work.
Lord, let complacency be moved far away from your people. Lord, let the spiritual gifts and callings begin to come alive. Realize we were born for a purpose, on purpose, with a destiny. Lord, let us realize that every one of us are called as a minister. Lord, Psalm 2.8 said, ask you to give us nations as an inheritance. show up to work tomorrow let us show up for the glory of God whatever we put our hands to do tomorrow let us realize that we're doing it for the glory of God not unto men but unto God who's watching looking and rewarding us accordingly let our work become worship let us use our authority the keys of the kingdom to unlock gates of hell Lord, use us to partner with you to see poverty moved far away from the people you've already paid for and redeemed by your precious blood. We just want to see the lamb get his full reward for the sacrifice he made. So, Lord, help us make these paradigm shifts. Move us forward by your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we vow to give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what you'll do in our midst. In Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement said... Amen. I love you guys. Listen, sign up for the bus ride today. The prayer ministry tables and teams are are wide open. Don't miss next week. We're going to move into some miracles, and then we'll continue our transformational series. I love you all very much. Be blessed.